Welcome to Old Books with Grace. I'm Dr. Grace Hammond, eagerly anticipating Christmas with you in this last Advent episode. Advent waits upon the coming or arrival of Christ Jesus in threefold. We wait for Christmas, we anticipate His transformation of our hearts in our ongoing sanctification, and we repeat our expectation that He will return. This year's Advent series is about the poetry of the Holy Family, the center of Advent and Christmas. As I started to look deeper into this little trinity of people, Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus, I realized that in the poetry around each person, I was discovering continuity around the theological virtues. Mary was so closely aligned with hope, Joseph with faith, and of course, the Christ child with love incarnate. Today, we arrive to worship at the manger, brother and sister to the ass and the ox, looking lovingly and with great confusion into the unusual bundle resting in the hay. Welcome to the final episode of Advent 2023. Let us fully step into the shock of being greeted with love and radical humility when we knew we were in trouble. We were like teenagers sneaking into the house after curfew, dreading lest we are caught with the scent of alcohol hanging on our clothes, cringing for the roar of a distraught and furious parent. We were the prisoner, sitting miserably in the courtroom, awaiting our sentence from the righteously offended judge. We were Adam and Eve hiding in the garden in stupid futility from the one who sees all. But instead, as St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the 12th century monastic reformer and theologian, preaches, And in case you are even now saying, I heard your voice and I hid myself. Look, he is a baby and he has no voice. The sound of his crying inspires compassion more than trembling. He became a little child, The virgin mother wraps his tender limbs in swaddling clothes. And do you still tremble with fear? Or will you realize from this that he has not come to destroy, but to save you, not to bind, but to set you free? The hope of Mary and the faith of Joseph had led us to this surprising embodied form of love. What does this meek, mild, even needy love do to us? There is no coercion, no shame, no force in the incarnate love we meet in the helpless infant Jesus. There is only freedom and invitation into human wholeness, into our own rebirth. In our rebirth and our ongoing transformation through love, again, it is not our shame that leads us to grow into loving, but this mild, tender love of the Godhead. We are freed into the possibility of loving God, others, and ourselves well. The art of loving God, others, and ourselves well is called holiness. We can get caught up and mistake holiness for other things, but if it's not loving God, others, and ourselves well, it's not holiness. One of the great poets of God was the 19th century English Jesuit, priest and poet, Gerard Manley Hopkins. Few poets capture so well the ups and downs of the spiritual life, the life pursuing love. 
Hopkins was enraptured by nature, afflicted by depression, and followed the call of his pastoral vocation into beauty and into the slums of Victorian England. In his poem, Moonless Darkness, Hopkins names this burgeoning freedom and desire formed by love. Moonless darkness stands between, past the past no more be seen, but the Bethlehem star may lead me to the sight of him who freed me from the self that I have been. Make me pure, Lord, thou art holy. Make me meek, Lord, thou art lowly. Now beginning and alway, now begin on Christmas Day. As I follow the Bethlehem star with Hopkins, I am also freed from the self that I have been. And this freedom transmutes into prayer as my past dissipates in the brightness of the star. Make me pure, make me meek, Hopkins begs. Such a prayer takes place in the knowledge of the character of the Lord Jesus, of his holiness and his lowliness. The staggering brightness of holiness and the obscurity of lowliness at first seem at odds, but they are united in their invitation to us in love. Julian of Norwich, the 14th century contemplative writer, who if you're, you've been listening to Old Books with Grace, you know I contrive to mention in nearly everything I write or do, calls this paradoxical aspect of Christ his courtesy, courtesy, the elaborate gentility and courtly manners of a king, and his homeliness, his homeliness, how he comes right among us, into our homes, into where we are, in his eager, loving tenderness, not to make us feel unwelcome, but right at home in his invitation into love. It would be easy to feel stiff and uncomfortable within the courteous and strange ways of heaven, holiness far beyond our grasp and understanding. But the homeliness of Jesus, in his weakness, in his need, mercifully ministers to our hard or inattentive or cringing or fearful hearts. There is nothing to hide from, only a readiness to love and be loved, that readiness of babies. Even moral transformation is freed from legalism to become simply response to love. That ministry of weakness belongs to babies. It is eternally surprising that the loving ministry of weakness belongs to the omnipotent, omniscient God as well. God the baby is the ultimate paradox, so it is unsurprising that so many poets took to paradox to describe Christ. And if you're a reader of Medievalish, my Substack newsletter, you'll know that I recently spent um, some time talking and thinking about paradox. Richard Crayshaw is the last of the poets of the Nativity for your meditation today, right now. Crayshaw was a 17th century English poet of the group of poets now called the metaphysical poets, alongside more well-known folks like George Herbert and John Donne. A Catholic convert from Anglicanism who died in exile on the continent, Crayshaw was known for the tender quality of his poetry. Listen now to a portion of Crayshaw's In the Holy Nativity of Our Lord. Welcome, all wonders in one sight, eternity shut in a span, summer in winter, day in night heaven and earth, and God in man. Great little one whose all-embracing birth lifts earth to heaven, stoops heaven to earth. Welcome, though nor to gold nor silk, 
to more than Caesar's birthright is. Two sister seas of virgin milk with many a rarely tempered kiss that breathes at once both maid and mother, warms in the one, cools in the other. Welcome, though not to those gay flies gilded in the beams of earthly kings, slippery souls in smiling eyes, but to poor shepherds, homespun things, whose wealth's their flock, whose wit to be well-read in their simplicity. Yet when young April's husband showers shall bless the fruitful Maya's bed, will bring the firstborn of her flowers to kiss thy feet and crown thy head. To thee, dread lamb, whose love must keep the shepherds more than they the sheep. To thee, meek majesty, soft king, of simple graces and sweet loves, each of us his lamb will bring, each his pair of silver doves, till burnt at last in fire of thy fair eyes, ourselves become our own best sacrifice. There is transparent delight in Crashaw's first stanza in his attempts to describe the infant Jesus by piling paradox upon paradox. All wonders in one sight, eternity shut in a span. Paradox so often reads as joyous and delighted because it brings out childlike wonder in us. How can this be true? Can this divine love be real? But I also love his last stanza. Christ is soft king of simple graces and sweet loves. In the face of this gentleness, we bring our sacrifices, our lambs and doves. But instead of burning these at last, we ourselves are burnt. In fire of thy fair eyes, ourselves become our own best sacrifice. We give our hearts to him as they are set aflame in the love of God. I think that Crashaw expresses something like what we read in the first epistle of John, chapter 3. I like to read the English Bible or the Middle English Bible, excuse me, all the Bibles I read are English, to shake up the familiar. Most dear brethren, now we be the sons of God, and yet it appeared not what we shall be. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And each man that hath this hope in him maketh himself holy as he is holy." In Jesus the baby, we recognize our kinship to him as children of God. We do not know what we are becoming in his grace and the light of judgment and truth, but we know that we are children now as he became a child. His love invites our love, that love of God and neighbor and self that constitutes a whole human life. And such joyous holiness only happens in our littleness, in our limitations, in willing obedience, in the absolute love of God for each and every one of us, not in our strength, nor in subjugation, nor force, nor the power of our wills. In all the freedom-giving love and weakness of the baby Jesus, I wish you a Merry Christmas. Old Books with Grace will return in January with new and exciting guests. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I always appreciate ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice. You can also financially support Old Books with Grace at the link in the show notes and help me to keep this podcast ad-free and up and running with various platform fees and things like that. There's a link in the show notes. Find me online at gracehammond.substack.com 
on Instagram at Old Books with Grace or on Twitter at Grace Hammond PhD. Thanks again for listening to Old Books with Grace. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year.